Julie Calcote, and I'm the host of the Dreamers Manual podcast. Now, this is a special part two. So, if you haven't listened to the first part of Katrina's episode, definitely go and check it out. This part two has some very actionable step by step things that you can do to help your business be more customer centric and really build and gain that reputation that will carry you so far in the online business space. And again, we have everything in the show notes for you, all of the links that we talked about. If you want to find Scarlett and dive a little bit deeper, get that amazing freebie that she offers. Her website is scarlet with two T's and co.ca. Now back to Scarlett. Now you've shared so many amazing tips and I just feel like we've gotten this beautiful peek inside your brain. If somebody's listening and they just don't know where to start, like they've heard all the information, they're taking it in. They probably have a few notes written down about things they would like to do in their business, but where do you want people and where do you recommend that people start with this journey? So I kind of have four tips that I usually give off the bat. And I think I kind of touched on them. The first one that I would really recommend is to audit your systems. And when I say that, I, you know, I don't mean just go make sure that your bills are up to date and active campaign or whatever, but actually like opt into your lead magnets, go through the purchase process, make sure things are working first from a tech perspective that in the way that you need them to, and they're supporting that experience. And that also too, they are representing your business and your brand and making your customer feel and receive what you want them to. And I think you, we can do this as business owners. And I do think that you should, like it's, it's in my calendar quarterly to go back through and test everything. Because again, the set it and forget it, it really doesn't work even just with the tech systems. But copy changes, your tone changes, what you stand for in your business changes, right? There might be words that you used in emails you wrote two years ago that you would never say now because times have changed. We've become more aware. And so even just going back over emails in a nurture sequence that you might've set up a year ago has a lot of value to it. So it's not just like making sure, okay, if I opt into this, do I get this? Do I but it's also like, what is the content that's being shared with the person? What's being said to them? How, like, is it old branding? And to take that up a notch, have somebody you're connected to outside of the online space, do that audit for you mm -hmm. because we know what we want to have happen. Right. So we can only be so objective. I'm going to look at something and be like, oh, that's fine. But my next door neighbor who is completely not connected with the online space would be like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. Like, what do I do with this link? Mm -hmm. Okay. I need more clarity. I need to up the content on that, give them more information. So trying to find somebody who is not experienced in your business, ideally not very experienced in the online space is and part of your ideal clientele. So they can kind of give you feedback on the content is the best person to test your offers and your sales process. Because Ideally, they're going to give you a true person's account because 
I think it's easy for us who have been in the online space for so long to think that everybody knows what's happening. Like the online space is the space. It's actually not true. The online space is still very small in comparison to the rest of, you know, what we call the real world. Mm -hmm. Like I can go to events with people who are working, you know, a, a great nine to five job. And then I mention what I do and they're like, really? How do you do that? Like, that's actually a thing. Like, and mind blown to them. Right. So I think right. we also, we also forget that there's a whole world, a very large world of people who don't like, they can't anticipate what should happen or what they're supposed to do with that link or that email. Right. So we have to spell it out to them. In most cases, we can't make assumptions. Mm -hmm. um, so we almost, you know, they say there's a, there's a kind of a common rule out there that everything should be written to speak to somebody at like the fourth grade reading level. Yeah. And so we often overcomplicate things because we try to speak to our customers the way we would speak to somebody at the same expertise level. And that's not going to work, right? It's just going to confuse your market. So that would be the first one. The second one would be to try and avoid jargon. So, and this is, it's actually, I'll say, I'll, I'll encompass this one with kind of upgrading your language as a whole. The first part of that, trying to remove jargon from when you speak to your customers. So whether that's on a one-to-one -one call, whether that's on in an email sequence, whether that's in, you know, Facebook promotion, even on graphics. And again, speaking to somebody who doesn't know the space, doesn't know the industry. And now granted, if you're working with like tech service providers, they're going to know what the word funnel means, right? You can make those inherent assumptions to some degree. But if you have a broader art audience, right, say maybe you're selling beauty supplies or something, don't be throwing out words like funnel or, you know, your EMS. What the heck is an EMS? I've been, I've been in doing the, I've been in the online space for like three years before I realized EMS stood for email marketing system, right? right? So trying to avoid those types of things, because as adults, nobody wants to speak up and say, what the heck's a funnel? So don't put your customer in that position. Don't make them have to ask you for clarity because when you do that, when a customer feels that they're in that position, they immediately feel kind of not degraded, but kind of just downplayed, right? And their self-esteem goes like this. And mm -hmm. that's not what you want. You want their self-esteem going up. So speak to them in a very clear way that they can understand. And that's in pretty much every industry, avoiding jargon. Mm -hmm. I would also say, try and replace the word, but with the word and, which I'm sure you may have heard before and just trying to change words out of your vocabulary that, especially in writing too, it can be harder in speech. Um, but in writing, when I go through any copy for emails, I'm always looking for any words that are like, but, and I'm replacing them or I'm omitting them completely. Mm -hmm. The word, but has such a negative connotation to it. And you have, in most cases, a sentence that's formed with a but <laughs> has a positive on the front and a negative on the back. So in a customer experience, what happens is somebody starts reading your sentence, you lift up their confidence and their self-esteem, and then you drop them like a rock after that, but mm -hmm. right. And that like that one sentence can kill somebody's entire customer experience with your business. And I will say, if you use the word and instead of, but it helps you reframe how you would say something. So perfect example, your accountant reaches out to you and says, Julie, you had an amazing year, but you didn't reach your goals. 
you just went from this to this, right? Like I did have a great year. Oh, I wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Right. But if they reached out to you and they said, Hey, Julie, you had an amazing year and you're really well set up to knock your goals out of the park next year. Same underlying premise, but the way it's received is so much different. And it causes you as the writer or the speaker to reframe how you say that second part, right? So you say it more positively or even just even more neutral, less negative. In with that one too, I would say switching out the word no for yes, if. So I have a blog post on this one where I give these exact same two tips and kind of examples. But a lot of people, I think in the online space as service providers, they're so committed to serving their clients. And I'm sure you are like this and have been like this for years. You don't want to say no. And when we don't want to say no, whether it's because we're doing it because we want to avoid conflict or because we we want to be of service, like there's usually two motivations. It's either you don't want to create conflict, so you say yes, or you're just so like passionate about wanting to help this person that you just say yes to the detriment of your own well-being, your own boundaries, right? So staying up at late at night on a Saturday, getting that project done and not spending time with your family. Mm-hmm. Perfect example. But you didn't want to say no. And a lot of people find the word no is scary. So if you start saying yes, if now you're leading with a positive and presenting a compromise. So now instead of saying, no, Julie, I can't do that on Friday for you. It's yes, Julie, I'm excited to help you about that project. If you're okay with me getting it to you on Monday afternoon, mm-hmm. right? You're not saying no, you're just letting them know you need a compromise. And if you start thinking about that, the no word as a yes, if it makes it easier for people to practice their boundaries, because now I'm not saying, no, I won't do that work for you. I'm saying yes, within my container of boundaries and values. And we'll link that you guys know, we're going to link everything, how to connect with you, all the things in the show notes. We'll also link that blog post because I imagine people are going to want to dig into that and learn a little bit more. (laughs) I, I only go into two or three in that blog post, but I could probably do like a whole long list. When I used to work in the cruise ship industry, we used to have to carry a little laminated business card of words we had to swap out, words we couldn't say and words we had to swap with. And I still have that card today, which I one day I will do a whole blog post on just that card because all my cruise friends would will die if I do that. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I'll give you two other quick ones here because I'm sure I'm sure time is of essence. But the the next one would be um, seek constructive feedback. So especially actually, I'm going to say. I would say, especially for established businesses, but this is just as valuable for brand new businesses, is that many of us are good at asking for feedback. Like we'll put out a survey after a launch or after a program. It is human nature to architect those questions and surveys and questionnaires to give us the answers we want. Mm -hmm. We pose questions in a positive, seeking for a positive back. People will ask the question, in a strip down, what can we do better? They won't necessarily ask that outright, right? They'll say, if there's anything else you want to share, let us know. Most people aren't going to, but if you start actually seeking the constructive feedback, the world of opportunity for your business is just going to skyrocket, right? Like every time I receive constructive feedback, whether it's from somebody on my team, whether it's from a client, whether it's from a prospect, I'm like, how do I put this into action? First, is it valid and true? which is the first question we should ask. Mm -hmm. Some people are going to vent, right? But is this valid and true? Great. How do we leverage this and put this into action, right? And maybe it's just clarity in an email. Maybe it's the timing of something. 
Maybe it's the quality of content or like a, a production we made, like a PDF or something. But most people don't actively seek constructive feedback. So in most cases, if I seek, when I'm seeking constructive feedback, I'm usually asking two questions. What were your best takeaways? Like, what did you walk away from in this? And what could we have done differently to have provided you with a more exceptional experience? Mm -hmm. And so I'm asking them, like, tell me what like was really great for you, because I want them to reflect on that too, because it's good for me to know, like, maybe the PDFs aren't a big value. It's the calls where they get the value or something else. So that's really helpful. But tell me what I can fix. Tell me what I can improve. Because otherwise my business is just going to stay neutral, right? It's never going to grow. It's never going to improve if I'm not actually feeding myself with that constructive feedback. Let's not pretend that's easy because certainly, you know, I probably in a given year, let's say interview 50 people for different positions for people Mm -hmm. that I work for, for people that have reached out. And I would say probably two people a year reach out and say, you know, I didn't get this position. I would love to hear any feedback you have for me. And I always make it a point because I know what a tough ask that is. I always make it a point to write back and tell Mm. them any feedback that I have positive and, you know, things that could have made the experience or the call or, you know, their chances of being hired for this position better. If they're already, sometimes it's just putting in personality with a personality. And then they know that that was the case, but I respect that so much because it is, it's as everything, it's an easier thing to say, but to put it into practice, it, it opens us up and it can be a real scary thing. Mm -hmm. And what I will say to that is it gets easier, Mm -hmm. right? So the first two, three times you might do it, especially like leave us face it. We all started at least as solopreneurs, if not Mm -hmm. are still solopreneurs. We're the ones creating the contents. We're the ones executing the programs. That's like my dog under my chair or my table here sleeping. Like that's my baby. So yeah, it's, it's a crappy feeling to have somebody come back and say, "Mm, this didn't meet the value I expected, which is why I would say in your questions, really highlight that you're looking for that constructive feedback. Don't I, there are times where I see surveys where it's like, tell me what you didn't like. Don't ever ask me that question because I don't want to tell you what I didn't like. I want to tell you where I think you could have done better. Mm -hmm. Right. Or the experience could have been better, whatever it might be. But if you just say, tell me what you don't like, you know, your PDF sucked. (laughs) That's not helpful. I don't like the color of your branding. (laughs) Right. So you have, you have to formulate those questions in a way that supports you getting beneficial and tangible information. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And the more you harness that information and leverage it and put it into action, the more, the less you'll get those answers, right? You'll get the people who are saying like, thanks for asking this question, but honestly, it was great. There's nothing I think that at this time you could improve. There's always little room for improvement, but those people are answering that question honestly in that sense. And especially when you give them that open window to give that constructive feedback, right? So the more you put into practice, A, the less you're going to get bombarded with constructive feedback. Not that I think everyone, you know, people get bombarded, but it becomes easier because you start to see it as a learning opportunity rather than that like personal attack on your integrity, the content you created, your creativity, all that kind of stuff. And if for someone who wants to put that into practice, if it's a hard thing to swallow, if you have a team, 
or maybe, maybe you just have AVA at this time, right? Or you have a friend that maybe you could bring on board to help you with this project, have them vet the responses for you. Mm -hmm. Don't be the person to read them yourself. Mm -hmm. So if that's like, if that is something that's a little bit harder for you and you're building that muscle, have somebody, whether it's a team member or a friend that you can lean on, be the person to take those answers and condense them into like a bullet point list for you to review. Take away the who said it, take away all the extra you know, context that's not needed and just focus in on what the tangible learning is. And then that way your emotion and your ego isn't attached. Absolutely. That's such a good point. There are people that are definitely in your life that are willing to do that for you. Oh, easily, right? Like just a Starbucks card. I could get half my friends to do things for <laughs> me. <laughs> and I'll give you one more. And that's just to tell your customers and your prospects, what you want them to do next. So it kind of just ties into that customer journey of don't assume and expect that your people know what's next. So if you're looking at your customer journey or just the experience that's happening with your customers right now, and you're saying, well, heck, I have this great, you know, small group course or small group program, but nobody's buying into it. Lots of people are buying my low ticket $200 self-study, but they're not coming into the group program. Well, then what's missing? There has to be a gap there. So you need to kind of like almost reverse engineer it and start trying to determine for yourself, where is that gap? Because something's clearly not telling them what is the next thing. So maybe you need another product in the middle there that binds them together and gives them kind of that bridge. Or maybe it's just as easy as at the end of your email saying, just so you know, this is the next best thing for you to jump into, right? Obviously that's not the best wording, so don't use that, <laughs> right? But inviting them to the next thing because people aren't just gonna know right off the bat, right? And if you're not leading them that way, then you can't be too surprised when they just kind of fall off. And after a little while, they're gonna find somebody else. So people wanna be directed. They wanna know what they should be doing next. And most people, when you tell them, you'll see a much higher conversion in certain things, right? Especially if it flows as it should. This is one of my favorite types of interviews because as somebody who's sitting here listening actively, I know I have to go back and take a lot of notes because I want the exact wording and the things that you said and to make a plan for myself of things I want to mm -hmm. audit and look over. And you've been so generous with your information. This wasn't fluff. This wasn't just something that you tuned in and you just got like the bare minimum and you're left wondering like where to go next. So I imagine if you have this much insight into this type of experience and how you help people just imagine like working with you what that would do because it's going to be like times a thousand of everything that you've shared here so when people are listening how do they connect with you and how do they work with you how do you work with people in this space and how do you support them yeah so we work with people in kind of two different buckets is that the right word we should mm -hmm. use um <laughs> Uh, so we work with business owners in that consulting space where I'll come in and, you know, we'll just deconstruct whatever needs to be deconstructed and build it back up. And in some cases, it's people who are rebranding and they're trying to start fresh, right? And put that human element at the forefront of their business first versus starting totally focused on automation and tech and then trying to infuse the customer experience and service after the fact. So I'll come in, we'll consult. So it, I'll do like high intensive. So if we want to just do like a half day, 
absorb as much as we can, build a plan as, as much as we can in the time we have, or I'll also work with, you know, ongoing clients, right? Where we'll meet typically once every two weeks and we're usually on a mission, but sometimes it's just like, okay, this is my next thing. Let's, let's hash it out. And so it's more of an ongoing kind of client partnership. So there's some flexibility there really to be what the customer is needing. We also, or I'll say I will also um, come into teams and help train on the customer service hospitality side of things. And in, in most cases with the small online space, like the small business online space, it's, you know, one or two team members. They're the ones tasked with the customer centric role. And in a lot of cases in the online space, people have just kind of been voluntold into that position, mm-hmm. right? So true right? A business is growing and it's like, oh crap, I can't manage these emails myself anymore as the business owner. So Julie, you take it on, right? And Julie, you could be amazing at responding to emails, but you might hate being that person. You may not actually be a people person, right? And have that type of lens that you need to be in the customer centric seat. So it's kind of that audit of, do we have the right people in the customer centric seat? Who do we need in that seat if we don't have anyone there yet? And for a lot of people, it's still the business owner. So it's determining, okay, it's time to pull you out of that seat and making sure the people who are in that role have the tools that they need to, because most people working in the online space, OBM, VA, EA, they don't all come from that people-centric hospitality background, Mm -hmm. right? They might've been an amazing accountant and now they're a VA. Well, they may not have been the best people person as an accountant. And I'm not picking on accountants, just, just to put it out <laughs> my accountant is probably one of the most people people I know. So, um, but just to say that, you know, somebody who moved into the online space, they may not be the best person to be in that customer centric role. So really looking at who are they the right people in the role, training the right people in the role, if they're already on the team and just need more tools and resources. And then for service providers who want to become customer experience pros themselves, We have a certification program called the CX Certification Program, Uh, our next cohort starting in March, and then we'll be running it again in October. And so really just making sure that people have the tools that they need to sit in those roles and, you know, be the customer service manager for an online business or that customer concierge, right? There's, There's people out there running big programs, high ticket programs, and they need that one person to be that program's concierge right? That's a special skill set coming into that, right? That's what I was thinking. Cause I know you see, like I see, uh, there's a lot of discussions in groups about how do I niche down? How do I become more valuable? And I could see, let's say you're a tech VA and sometimes tech VAs pick a system and they're mm-hmm. saying like, I'm a Kajabi expert. I could see yes. a tech VA saying I'm a customer service expert or an OBM who, like you said, works with teams. But if you talk about VIP days, setup days, you know, and it doesn't have to be days, but obviously mm-hmm. an offer, you can come in and as an OBM have that extra certification, the extra skill set and train team. So I could go on, but there's an unlimited way that I feel like you can use your certification and even add it to your own specialty and then be able to utilize that and really provide value to these business owners. Well, and a lot of what's happening too, is I think my mission in starting Scarlet and Co and leaning into my secret sauce, as that client once said, is making people aware that this is even a thing they need to be concerned about. Even Mm -hmm. something like it is a very 
significant part of their business. But for most people, it's like low, low, low on the list. And so trying to bring that human element, that customer service, the overarching customer experience and journey to the forefront of businesses really needs people in those businesses helping to execute that on a day-to-day basis. And so I think a lot of business owners with more awareness, they're also becoming more attuned that their customers are needing more, that their customers are paying attention to that experience. And so they need somebody in that right seat, helping support the, the experience and the service their customers are having and receiving, but who do they hire? Who do they, like, now you know where to go if you want a DOO, you know where to go if you want a director of marketing, if you want an OBM, right? There's programs for all that, but there's very, very, very little talk in the online space about customer experience and how to be of service, true service and hospitality to your people, not just like from a tech perspective. Mm -hmm. So that's where I'm hoping to like really make an impact is just creating roles for people with that customer centric mindset and putting them in these businesses so that those businesses can excel even further and create amazing legacies for themselves. Absolutely. Now, before we go, also mm. tell us about your freebie because mm. you have this freebie. Actually, when I was looking through, like there's a few little notes and things that people fill out when they come and to the podcast. Mm. And I saw your topic, the five customer centric emails, every business needs to create raving loyal fans. And I thought that was the topic we were talking about. And I was just oh. as excited about that as what, I mean, what we talked <laughs> about today was like a amazing deep dive, but I was like, Oh, that sounds amazing too. So <laughs> now I need the freebie, but I think <laughs> so we can do another episode. on just that often. <laughs> if you want. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm actually really proud of this uh, PDF because the team really helped me create a beautiful kind of, it's not even a workbook. It's really like a, uh, you know, it's a swipe copy bundle PDF. Um, and so in that I give you swipe copy for five different emails and an example of it in action. And then before each swipe copy, I give context why you want to use this, when you should use this, when you shouldn't use this. And these aren't emails that you're going to include like in your nurture sequence. These are emails that you as the business owner or your, you know, your virtual or executive assistant can help execute, but they're your vacation reminders. They're your autoresponder if you like to use one, right? And being proactive in that communication with your autoresponder, right? What to expect next, et cetera how to have a difficult conversation, right? Like how to kind of smooth over some waters. So I'm, I'm really proud of it because it's not just this like, here's five emails in a Google doc. It's, we put a lot of heart and soul into it and gave some, some tips and then kind of a real world example of how I would use this email in every day. So they're, they're emails I use. Now I'm more excited because I (laughs) love swipe copy. I think that's why I keep creating like the SLO offers for my own business Mm. as swipe copy, because I just want as my brain, I want somebody to have done the hard work. Mm. I make my tweaks and make it my own and then put it out there. I don't want to sweat over something for a week. So that's, let's tell them where to find it. What's the link. We'll have it in the show notes, but in case somebody's just listening and they want to go right there. Yeah. So it's scarletandco.ca, five customer centric emails, but a dash between each of those. And the number five, not written out. Yeah number five. And if you, I'll make it easier too. If you go to the, if you go to the website and you scroll to the bottom, it's right at the bottom in the footer in the main, the main footer there. So 
which is scarlet with two T's and co.ca. You got it. Thanks. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I should, if, only, if only you could have an ampersand in a URL, it'd be, you know. It would be so good. Right? It'd muck up so many things. It'd be so good. <laughs> well, I want to tell you guys again, everything that we talked about that can be linked, including your Facebook page, your Pinterest, your website, like all the places to stay connected to you and that freebie are all just in the show notes. You just click it and then it'll take you to those places. But I just want to offer my heartfelt thanks because sitting in the place of a listener, especially I think about there are people who just might not have it in the budget, or this might not even have been in their periphery for this year. And they hear you and your expertise that they have to share. And it's so incredibly valuable. So thank you so much for being a guest today. And I hope we can do this again soon. That's the best compliment ever. Thank you, Julie. I have had a blast and I really do hope it's of great value to everyone listening. If they even just took away one little nugget of wisdom, um, that's a mission accomplished in my books. So thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity. You're, you're fabulous. Let's do uh, it again. Yes. I'm <laughs> off to sign up for your email list. So. Awesome. <laughs> I'll get you that link. <laughs> thank you. Talk soon. Hi again, it's Julie, and I cannot thank you enough for listening to this episode today. If you'd like to support more of this content, one thing you can do that helps us so, so much is to leave an honest review on iTunes. I'll add that link below. It's super easy, a couple of clicks, and that not only helps us get out there to more listeners, it tells us what you're loving and what you'd like to see more of in the show. So if you could take a few minutes to do that, I would be so absolutely grateful. I hope you're having the best week. See you next time, friend.